just as they were creative, maybe negatively or pessimistically, they can absolutely be recreative with a new positive mindset, a new outlook on life. In order for us to do this, we got to audit our thoughts. We got to get an understanding of why we think the way that we think. And ultimately, what we have to do is invite God to renew our mind with truth, to replace our thought patterns with truth, with God's spiritual truth, replace those lies with God's spiritual truth. By changing your thinking, you can absolutely change your life. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success, focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-minded men and women bonded by faith and relationship that you can do life with. Join us in creating the next wave of kingdom entrepreneurs and becoming the CEO of your life by visiting kingscouncilcoaching.com and connect with one of our team members today. This episode is brought to you by Gospel Canvas. Gospel Canvas is reimagining Christian art for today's generation of Christians. Their exclusive collections are custom, unique, and a beautiful reminder of the power of salvation and hope. Now, these pieces will brighten up any space and add high character and motivation that you can see, touch, and experience on a daily basis. Visit gospelcanvas.com today and use the promo code KING15 to get 15% off your purchase at checkout. That's gospelcanvas.com using the promo code King 15. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek, and we have been talking about the seven plagues of attitude. The seven plagues. Most importantly, we've been talking about the antidotes to those plagues because it doesn't do us any good just to identify what they are, but what we want to do is actually counteract, and that's the verb tense of antidote means to counteract or to cancel with an antidote. We've talked about doubt and worry. We're going to talk about complaining and overcaution and being indifferent. But today, today, we are going to dive into pessimism. Man, just hearing that word makes me feel, ugh. I'm sure some of you have that feeling. It's probably have those people in your life right now. Because pessimism, let's just identify what this means to be a pessimist or to have that pessimism outlook on life. It's a tendency to see the worst in things and ultimately expect the worst possible outcome. A pessimist is a person who, they're the ones who see that glass half empty versus always being half full. Sometimes I love it when pessimists actually refer to themselves as as realist, right? That ain't true. They're just trying to justify the reason why they're a pessimist. They're negative thinkers. And in my opinion, toxic to be around. I'm sure some of you can think of those people in your life right now that, that fit that mold. And I get it. They're out there, right? But the, the beautiful thing is, and some of you listening may be that person. You could be that person. The good thing is today is we're going to talk about how we can overcome. 
What's the antidote to that pessimistic mindset? And for some of you that have these people in your life, I get it. I know exactly what it's like. My dad, I love my dad, an amazing dude, but he's a pessimist and sometimes can be very difficult to be around those type of people. Just give you a little story of the point of this is like, we live in Minnesota and we have a property here at least that it's a beautiful home, 12,000 square foot. We got 150 foot of lakeshore, very blessed to be here. And when we moved in, there's like a 2,000 square foot condo over our garage. That's, it's my dad's. My dad's condo, he's got his own elevator that leads up to it. It's a pretty good setup for him. And I'll never forget, we moved in, you know, we tour in the house and things. We, we walk out, out to the beach. Okay, beautiful lake, toes in the sand. Get this guy's toes in the sand. And this is what comes out of his mouth. Man, taxes must be high, huh? What? <laughs> I mean, I like, I literally about lost my mind in this situation. It's not like he's paying the taxes. I'm paying the taxes. It doesn't have to pay for anything in this situation. But unfortunately, the neural pathways that he's created is always looking for the bad, always looking for the negative in situations. And I just thought, man, what a terrible way to think. What a terrible way to live. Right? Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, as a person thinks, so is he. So if you think negative, if you think like a victim, you're going to always be a victim. And if you look at negative situations, you're always going to have a negative mindset. And that's really what it comes down to. It's your mindset. Who you are today is based on the mindset that you have built and created. I'm going to say that again. Who you are today is based on the mindset that you have built, that you have created. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I just grew up that way. And and I'm going to give you that, right? Now, some of our thought patterns may have been built on the mindsets of other people that we grew up with, or maybe our parents, maybe friends. For example, if you grew up witnessing that religion was boring, right? I grew up that way. So I completely understood that. Or if you grew up thinking that money is hard to come by. Maybe that's why you struggle with it. Maybe you grew up thinking that that rich people are bad, right? So if you're thinking that way, or if you grew up that way, it's no wonder why you may struggle with that. Our mindsets are largely unsolicited gifts from other people. Oftentimes our parents, maybe the teachers, just the culture that we grew up in. And unfortunately, we are the products of other people's habitual ways of thinking. And when we uncritically, uncritically, I want you to make sure you heard me. And we uncritically accept these values, these beliefs, these habits. They ultimately gain control over our lives. Here's the best part, though. They're mindsets that were created. Just as they were created maybe negatively or pessimistically, they can absolutely be recreative with a new positive mindset, a new outlook on life. In order for us to do this, we got to audit our thoughts. We got to get an understanding of why we think the way that we think. And ultimately, what we have to do is invite God to renew our mind with truth, to replace our thought patterns with truth, with God's spiritual truth, replace those lies with God's spiritual truth. By changing your thinking, you can absolutely change your life. Why is this so important? Because ultimately, guys, your life, it's always moving in the direction of your thoughts. It is always moving in the direction of your thoughts. What you think about, you bring about. Your perception is your reality, but it can change the moment you choose to change your perception. You can change your reality. Your thoughts are literally directing your life. 
And we know that it's impossible. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't do it. So how do we do this? How do we change this? How do we, what is the antidote to pessimism? That's what we're going to dive into here today. And at the core of it, guys, it's pretty simple. I'm going to break it down for you, but it's pretty simple here. It's hope. H-O-P-E, hope. The opposite of pessimism is hope. And we know that the Bible is the book of hope. From Genesis to Revelation, God shows us the theme of hope in every single story. Even the theme of hope from our sin and the consequences to you know Christ redeeming us. There's so many events recorded in the Bible that seem so dark and gloomy, oftentimes hopeless, until God offers a way. He always offers a way to restoration, to be restored. And another way of thinking of pessimism would be faithlessness, or what I would consider like temporary atheism. It's impossible to have faith while being pessimistic. Pessimist, their outlook is a future without God in it. It has to be, or at least a God that doesn't care. But we know our God cares. Jesus showed us how much he cared by going to the cross for us. And the Bible has so much to say about hope, but biblical hope. I want to make sure that we understand this. It's a biblical hope at the foundation of faith in God. Because what's interesting is the word hope, what we know of it as in the English vocabulary or how we use it, oftentimes conveys doubt. Think about the last time you used hope. It's like, well, I hope so. I hope the Vikings win or the Packers win or whoever your favorite team is, or I hope that it doesn't rain tomorrow. Hope, it's oftentimes, even we say that word, we hope so, it's always followed by so. I hope so. It's not a confident assurance of what we see what the Bible actually says it is it oftentimes conveys doubt. So that's how our brain translates it. And if you look throughout the Bible, the word hope in the Bible, specifically even in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, and I'm going to butcher this, batah, B-A-T-A-H, it has the meaning of a confident security in being without care. So the concept of doubt is never even a part of this word. It's hope. It's that confident, that security without care. And in the New Testament, oftentimes it's referenced in the Greek word, elpis, again, I butchered it, I know, but E-L-P-I-S, which means there's no doubt attached to it. They're so far from each other, from hope and doubt. But how we display it, how we verbalize it in our culture is that we're not confident in it. We're just like, well, I hope so. I hope I don't get fired. I hope I get this job. I hope I, you know, whatever it is. That's not the biblical hope that we're talking about here. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. It's an assurance based upon a sure foundation of joy, of full confidence. That's a biblical hope. There's no doubt referenced in it at all. If we look at the verses in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, it's basically all about hope, right? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's the very first verse at the beginning of this chapter, and it carries with it so much confidence in knowing for sure, without question, what we have been promised by God in His Word. Our faith is a confident assurance. 
It's rooted on God. It's a firm foundation in Christ Jesus. And all the other actions of the heroes throughout Hebrews 11, all their actions were made possible because they had this faith based in their confident assurance of hope in God. So biblical hope, it's a reality. It's not a feeling. There's no hoping so. Biblical hope carries no doubt at all. It's a foundation that we know that is true, that God, he always keeps his promises. So if we know that the antidote is hope, how do we grow or how do we instill that hope, that confident assurance in God's promises? Let's break it down, guys. First off, we got to spend time with him. We got to get back to the mindset that, we, that he actually created us with. But ultimately, this hopelessness, the centuries and centuries that have gone by, even the decades that we've lived in, it's a hopeless world, right? It can look that way, especially if you're watching anything in the news and you get together and you're just talking about all the negative situations. So we've created these negative neural pathways in our brains. It's interesting, though, that the science of it is called neuroplasticity, and our brains are neuroplastic, meaning they can change. They do change. They're actually constantly changing, and prayer changes it. Prayer changes our brains. Prayer is like a physical workout for our brain. It literally changes the chemistry that can actually be seen on brain scans. It's amazing, guys. Dr. Carolyn Leaf has been a part of these studies, and there's a study that showed 12 minutes of daily prayer. 12 minutes. Think about that. 12 minutes. We all have 12 minutes. If you can spend 12 minutes of daily prayer over an eight-week period, the brain scans can actually be measured. The chemistry in your brain can be measured. You can literally change your brain. Your negative thoughts are changing. They have changed the neural pathways in your brain. But the beautiful part is just how they've changed them over time, you can rechange them. You can recreate them with positive thoughts by releasing those surges of dopamine within your brain. The more often that you think a thought, and this isn't just you know hopeful, wishful, the secret type stuff, right? I'm not talking about that at all. This is truth. The more often that you think a thought, science tells us that it's easier to think that thought. So you create a neural pathway in your brain. That's why if you believe a lie long enough, it becomes a neural pathway that's just easy to go down. The same though is true if you can think of truth long enough, you can create that neural pathway again. Romans 12 tells us to not be conformed by the wrong ways of thinking or the patterns of this world. So we can create that new pathway by triggering that dopamine release. But here's the deal, guys. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like I'm just going to all of a sudden wake up and be a positive, you know, positive Paul. That, that just doesn't happen. Man, think of like if you were just dropped off in a jungle. What if you were just dropped off in a jungle and you see a clear path that's been traveled? It's been traveled over and over and over and over again. It's the easy path to go down, but it's a path of negativity. It's a path that, you know, it's just simple because it's just the way that I grew up. It's just the way that we do things around here. This is just how our family is. It's an easy path to take. But if you just look over to the right a little bit and you see a path that once was traveled, but it's got brush on there now, it's like kind of grass covered. And if you can start to take a step down that path, get out the machete and start chopping away and clearing that path one step at a time, one swing at a time, you're going to be able to ultimately recreate that new path. 
form that new path. If not for you, for, for your family. I mean, in order to leave a legacy, if that's your desire, you got to choose to live your legacy right here, right now. But this does not happen overnight. It's going to take time to build new habits. And in order to destroy old habits, we don't just get rid of them. You've got to recreate them. You've got to push them in another direction, a positive mindset. Neural pathways don't just go away. Just like bad habits don't just go away. You need to to put new triggers in place that's going to allow you to create new pathways. So I want to encourage you, it doesn't just happen overnight, but it can happen. The antidote to pessimism is hope. And we gain hope by spending time with God in prayer. In addition, you guys know I love my garden analogies. So imagine if you're looking to spruce up your garden. You've got this garden outside that's got a lot of rocks, a lot of weeds. It's looking pretty dry, kind of not that healthy. That's that neural pathway, the mindset that you've created over time. And if you want to change how you're thinking, we're going to have to do some work here. We're going to have to change the environment. We're going to have to pull some weeds. We're going to have to get the hoe out. We're going to have to get rocks out of that garden. And think about this, guys. Like What I'm talking about here, it's not just like pulling literal weeds. We're talking about maybe people in your life. Who are the negative Nancys in your life right now that just are bucket dippers that are just like every time you're around them, you're just, and it may feel comfortable for you in the moment because you're able to just to complain back and forth to each other. You're able to be pessimist with each other. But ultimately, there's no fruit there. Like, look at that garden. There ain't no fruit there. That garden's dying. So if you're going to start to pull some of those weeds out of your life, we're going to now need to refertilize that garden. We're going to need to water that garden. So you're going to need to continually be in the Word of God, be in prayer, spend time with the sun, the sunlight coming down, and the sun, S-O-N. Spend time in the Word. Listen to podcasts like this. Listen to sermons. Surround yourself with like-mind-setted people. What is in your garden is ultimately what's going to allow those seeds, those new seeds that you're planting to take root. What's in your garden, what is surrounding those seeds is going to be what determines if that seed ever takes root. So get yourself around like mindseted people. Listen to sermons, listen to more podcasts like this. Completely immerse yourself into positive content and no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, to the wrong ways of thinking, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at King's Council Coaching. We'll see you next time.